You're listening to Financial Insights, a podcast that helps investors through the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. I'm Brian Ullman, and I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. And together with some guests and other advisors at my firm, we're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. Are you late if you meet, if you are purposefully not on time, I guess? Uh, yeah, we're late. We're late today, just like we were late last week, uh, posting this later on Friday instead of kind of on the first thing Friday morning. Uh, It's the 31st, the last day of March. We're headed into April Fool's Day tomorrow, so just basically stay off the internet all day on the 1st if you want to avoid all the stupid jokes that are on there. Don't get me wrong. My kids are going to play jokes on me, uh, and I'm going to do my best to hustle my wife and trick her one way or another. But all the other kind of jokester stuff that comes on with all the retailers pretending to come out with fake um, things that they're selling, uh, I can I can live without that. But it's spring, right? We are at the end of March, beginning of April. It doesn't matter. April Fool's Day. The sun is out. It has finally stopped raining in California, meaning I can get back out there and play some tennis. Or maybe you can go play some pickleball if you wish, whatever it is. Baseball is back on TV. We just had opening day. Uh, it's feeling like we're like things are starting to kind of thaw out and we're turning around. Uh, and markets are doing the same. Um, now, it's not always smooth. I will say when I got went out this morning, it was a nice sunny day. It's chilly outside right now. Uh, and as the wise Mark Twain once said, in the spring, I have counted 136 different kinds of weather inside of 24 hours. Feels like that sometimes. Same thing with the market. You know, I've talked a little bit about markets doing two steps forward and one step back quite a bit already this year. We probably expect more of it as the year drags on. And while it maybe wasn't all in 24 hours, stocks faced several different kinds of weather this month, if you will. Um, I think we're going to beat this spring analogy into the ground. But either way, the one thing that didn't change over the first quarter of the year was the market's resiliency. The S&P 500 reached a month reached month end with a gain of a little bit a little more than 3% and perhaps some of the spring optimism helped the index recover from a nearly 5% drawdown from intra-month highs. Now, two of the largest bank failures since 2008, which was the collapse of Credit Suisse, and another 25 uh, basis point uh, rate, from, rate hike from the Federal Reserve, and interest rate volatility, all of these were pretty high hurdles for stocks to clear this month. I mean, there for a while there, it was Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, Credit Suisse. I mean, it was, um, we have banking problems. I don't know if it's a banking crisis, but whatever it is, even fake crises or perceived crises create these high hurdles for investors to clear. And, and that backdrop, created a lot of volatility and certainly lots of headlines, right? It was everywhere. But the seasonality patterns actually prevailed here and stocks stuck to the script of back half outperformance in the first quarter. So the question we're left to ask here is, can the spring melt-up continue? Uh, April seasonality trends suggest buying pressure could continue next month. Buying pressure means people are buying, not selling. Uh, since 1950, the S&P 500 has posted an average and median April returns of 1.5% and 1.2% respectively, so that's a good sign. Uh, on top of that, the index has finished positive during the month 71% of the times, percent of the time. Uh, 
And that actually makes April the second highest, the, the month with the second highest positivity rate on the calendar. I think behind November and just uh, just ahead of uh, December. So unlike March, historical return progressions in April show a, a strong first half of the month. During the first 12 trading days, the S&P 500 has historically climbed 1.4%, capturing the majority of the gains for the month. So it's it, historically, it's coming. I'm, I'm going to post, you can look in the show notes, I'm going to post links to a handful of charts that are going to show the, the seasonality, the, the March daily progression, uh, the S&P 500 monthly returns from 1950 through the through year to date, and then the April daily progression. So you can see most of the gains in April are actually made in the first half of the month. Doesn't mean the second half of the month goes down, but the, the majority of the gains happen in the first half of the month historically since 1950, right? Now, one thing to, that's been noteworthy in the data is the December low indicator. So at the end of, end of March also means the S&P 500 has finished the first quarter of the year. And was I guess as of March 30th, when I started to write some of these notes down, the index was up over 5%. Let's see what it is after uh, through the close of March... Uh, S&P a little bit more than 7% on the year. So we are rolling right now. Um, and more, maybe more importantly, the price hasn't violated the December closing low of 3,783, which would, that actually triggers a bullish signal on the December low indicator. What is the December low indicator? Well, it's certainly not one that's published on the front of the Wall Street Journal. Um, you know, and there is other theory, Dow theory is one that a lot of people like to look at. But the December low indicator was an indicator created by an analyst and a Forbes writer back in the 1970s. Uh, I, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but Lucian Hooper was his name. And he observed that whatever the market, whenever the market violated its December low within the first quarter of the following year, it was a bad sign, an ominous sign for stocks for the rest, for the remainder of the year. Now, in contrast, if the market held above the December low in the first quarter, like it did this year, it was actually a bullish sign for the market. And like I said, I, there's a chart in the show notes showing the December lows indicator. Uh, and you'll see if you click on that uh, chart in the notes that the December low indicator actually has a pretty solid track record. Uh, and for years, when the S&P 500 has held above the December low in the first quarter, the average annual return has been 18.5%, with 94% of the years finishing positive. And when the S&P 500 violated the December low in the first quarter, the index only generated a modest average annual return of four-tenths of a percent, with only 50, 53% of the years producing a positive return. There's, that's a pretty big data set if we're going back to 1950. And those returns, whether the average annual return, the difference is roughly 18% average annual return, and that there's only half of the years produce a positive return when the December low is violated. When it's not, it finishes positive 94% of the time. I mean, it, right now we are in purgatory, you could say, where we haven't gotten that whoosh, that capitulation, that big old sell-off um, that suggests that markets are um, discounting future earnings and that it could be a good time to get in. 
But we also haven't showed the kind of resilience, maybe until now, to tell us that, okay, well, maybe the worst has passed us uh, and markets have based, baked in a lot of the bad news already. But we just haven't, we're, we're stuck in limbo. We haven't gotten the capitulation, but we haven't proven that we can stay, markets can stay high enough and, and show that the coast is clear. But this kind of data suggests that positive things could be ahead. Now, let's not confuse, we talk about this often, let's not confuse the economy, which very well could get worse, and markets, which could very well get better. You know, if markets are people betting on the future of what's going on in the economy, sort of, uh, one could argue that, you know, markets priced in a recession that's yet to arrive, but will come. And the question then is, have markets done enough of that pricing in? Starting to look like maybe that could be the case. I think if almost anybody you ask, including the Federal Reserve, would suggest that they're closer to their ultimate um, kind of they call it the terminal rate, where they're going to stop raising rates. They're they're either there now or going to be there shortly. So we're closer to the end of that than the beginning. Um, and as soon as we find ourselves in a recession, which I think that we probably will in the second half of the year, investors are going to start betting on who's going to win the recovery. They're not worried about the recession we're in. They're worried about what is. March 31st, 2024 look like and how should you be invested to take advantage of that? Whether it's AI or metaverses or whatever it is, whatever happens to be the buzzword and the buzz investment could be preferred stocks and dividends. I don't know. Um, but the point being is investors start looking forward and stop worrying about what's going on with the economy in the very short term and start looking to the future and saying, well, the banks are in decent shape. Real estate has stopped getting worse uh, maybe we're starting to turn a corner here. And that's certainly supported, you could argue, by this December low indicator. So check out the show notes. Uh, you'll see them You'll see them in the show, and, and you'll see I'll, I'll link to all of the charts pretty clearly. You can just click and check them out. Uh, if you have questions about your portfolio or you want to know more about the December low indicator, I'm not sure how much more I can tell you about it other than that it seems to have been working. Um, but if you have questions about anything you're hearing or what's going on with markets, your portfolio or rates, you can email us at info at FordFG.com. You can find us on the web at www.fordfg.com. Um, I've been reminded also to ask you to, well, not like and subscribe. This isn't a YouTube video, but subscribe to the podcast. Um, leave um, a, what are you not vote, but rate our podcast. Uh, and share with your friends if you think it's interesting and you think it's useful. So thanks for listening. My name is Brian Ullman. I'll talk to you next week. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Perennial Investment Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Ford Financial Group and Perennial Investment Advisors are separate entities from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk including loss of principle. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group, 
perennial investment advisors and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein.